Tag Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Welcome to Extension Horses Tack Box Talk Series, Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University. And today we're actually going to be talking about barrel horses and barrel horse maturities. So to our program is a new guest is Katie Lindahl. So welcome, Katie. Thank you. So Katie, you are a friend of our own Dr. Krishona Martinson. Is that right? Yes, that's right. They sold me... Holly the Wonder Pony, her daughter outgrew Holly, and she got past me. We were the chosen ones to receive Holly um, as the next um, little, my daughter, who was um, three at the time, got her, so she's five now. That's awesome. Is Holly the pony that had one eye? Yeah, yep. Gotcha. So I assume she's still doing quite well at your house. Yeah, she's doing great. That's awesome. I love to hear that. So, okay, I guess we should get to the the topic of the day. Um, so you'll have to give us a, a little bit of background, especially, you know, I'm going to be a little bit of a newbie to this whole topic. You know, I'm familiar with barrel horses, um, but not familiar at all with, uh, uh, with the futurity side of things. So I guess I'm used to the futurity side of, you know, my traditional Western world where horses run at three years of age. So I guess just give us a rundown. What are what is a barrel horse maturity? Sure, and I um, can give this well because I was pretty um, naive and new to it all not very long ago myself. So <laughs> I feel like I'm still learning. So I'm not sure if I'm an expert in the field, but I am um, getting experience more every year and every horse. So, um, yes, for barrel horses, their maturity age is four or five. They've actually kind of expanded it. It was just four, I think, for a while, but it's for a long time has been four or five-year-olds. There are a couple of maturities that are limited to just four-year-olds, um, being the BFA, Oklahoma City, and Fort Smith are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. And then the other ones, though, are pretty much open to four or five-year-olds. And then we do have something called, so our maturity season, um, used to be December 15th, I think two years ago, they changed it to November 15th. They did move it up. So technically that would start, if your horse is running at, at a four-year-old, it would start um, November 15th of its three-year-old year. And there is a big maturity um, through the BFA, which stands for Barrel Maturities of America, um, that is called the juvenile. So they would do that technically as a three-year-old because it would be before that January 1st time frame. Yeah, that was all I was Run it, but they would have to run it as a derby. I don't know if you guys have 
derby years and rainy. Yeah, yeah, they do. So derby years are like four through six. And so that was trying to get this all wrapped around my head. Yeah. So each derby is, is a little different, honestly. You have to just read the rules pretty closely. Some of them specify it has to be like two years after their maturity year. So if you ran at four, it might be their five and six year old year. Some of them are just ages five to seven no matter what, and um, now there's becoming a thing that's more popular, it's actually called a maturity, and so uh, a maturity might have that, like some of our local ones might have it, where if that horse ran at that maturity, they would be eligible for life to run in this maturity, which is, you know, maybe a little bit extra money than just like the open class. Do you uh, enroll them in these, like when they're babies or do you wait until they're older and it's just like an entry fee? Like when do you have to start the process? Um, yeah, so actually the answer would be um, both. Each maturity is a little bit different. Um, there are stallion-based maturities, which you enroll them as babies is the cheapest, but most of them have options to enroll them up to their maturity year for an increased fee. And then some are just a regular entry fee, like any show and the date on that obviously depends on the show. Like the BFA is maybe $600. It's like a more expensive entry fee, I don't know, 600 a 1000 somewhere in there. So they have like payment plan options and the enforcement where it's like you pay the first payment, you know, maybe six months ahead, and then it's like $150 kind of installments. They do it that way. And there's obviously options if you miss installments for, you know, late fees where you can still get them in. But there have been an increase in stallion incentive ones, which is what you pay them in as youngins. And uh, like the Pink Buckle started that, I think it was around 2018. And theirs is unique in that you actually have an annual um, have an enrollment fee and then you have to kind of keep them in it every year for $200 which most of the other ones um, are a one-time thing like some of the other names are like Future Fortunes has Stallion one and Future Fortunes is actually with other um, events so it's more of what we call a side pot thing you make one run and if your horse is out of certain stallions it's eligible for the bonus money um, there is uh, another newer one, Royal Crown, where again, the stallions are paying in a pretty lofty fee for their stallions to be in it. And then that one is um, just an entry fee only. So there's kind of the whole variation of the in, in the barrel horse industry. I want to talk about your current horse right now, Chewy. Um, so Dr. Martinson said that he's been pretty successful. So I want to hear all about Chewy. Yeah, Chewy, she was actually my second um, maturity horse. Um, she is five years old this year. She's actually the first horse I ever raised and bred, bred her mama, obviously, and first baby I ever touched. And so, um, yeah, she, I ended up, or Molly Otto is who uh, trains my maturity horses and who campaigns, campaigns on them. Um, so she actually ended up running her as a four-year-old. Uh, in my mind, I always thought she was going to be five when she ran. Um, the first horse, Molly, maturity for me, Six Appeal, or Jimmy is his bar name. Um, he ran as a five-year-old. It's, it's pretty common in um, northern horses, quote-unquote horses, that are born up here and have maybe, you know, the April 
get one going when it feels like we only have four months a year to ride in <laughs> nice weather. So a lot of um, northern horses do wait until they're five years old and so that's just kind of what I expected for Chewy and um, you know I wasn't in a big rush and I, my initial plan obviously when I bred for her was that I was going to do it. Um, then I got uh, more experience in the maturity world with the prior horse and kind of realized how much I mean, not just the training aspect, like I'm not a trainer by any means, um, or I don't claim to be, <laughs> nor do I really want to be. I actually like riding finished horses. Um, but I just thought it would be a fun thing to do. I derby Chewy's mom and thought that was kind of fun. So my plan originally was to do that myself, but then as I, after Jimmy, I realized really the extent of um, the time commitment, first of all, and then, you know, they're babies. They're, they're being trained virtually that entire year. It's not like they start running and then they're all of a sudden finished. Obviously, they're still babies. And then the other um, important thing was with Chewy being a mare and having um, pretty good bloodline, I, I knew that the opportunity, you know, you only get one shot, obviously, out of maturity season. And so uh, the opportunity for her to have big lifetime earnings in order to be of value potentially as a broodmare later on, um, it's a one-time shot. And I knew that having her with Molly gave her the best success um, for that and the best success for me to get a nice horse after her maturity year because, like I said, she is a trainer. That's what she does. She's trained numerous successful horses, not just mine. She's had many go on. Um, so I just knew in the long run it would be a better investment for my money and my horse. So in the in the barrel horse world, then do they have like divisions that are open and amateur? Uh, no, not really. Well, some of them have what you might call like a side pot. So it's the same. They all run together. Um, so the open classes are what we consider like open age. But like when I reference the open barrel races, any horse. Um, any age, any bloodline, whatever. So that's when we say an open barrel race. And then in terms of amateur, the only thing I know of that is like the breed association. But a lot of them will have locally um, like a, maybe like a, rook, a novice side pot or like a rookie type side pot um, where again, you're running against all the professionals or people who do it a lot in the same class. But maybe there'll be a side thing you'll just mark it on like the entry fee if this is your um, first maturity year. I, usually it's like earning less than $500 or something like that or, or no previous maturity experience. So um, that is gaining some popularity uh, in, in, like I said, more local stuff, but some of the big stuff have that as well. Yeah, because I, I, I just, again, I'm so familiar with all the other associations and that it's the the rider is what placed the horse into a class. And then we've got some like, you know, novice horses or green horses. Uh, but yeah, we very seldom have the, the non-pro or the amateur having to compete against um, the trainer. So I guess that's a different experience. And is that, I mean, when you were riding your own horses, was that kind of intimidating? Uh, part of the reason that you decided to have your trainer rider or, yeah, I don't know. What do you uh, think about that? It can be intimidating, I guess. It's really, I think, more of a 
more of an opportunity and more exciting. I mean, the nice part is, um, and one of the reasons I love barrel racing is you're only competing against yourself and the clock. So it doesn't really matter what anyone else does per se. Like the best riders, I mean, you'll see best riders have really bad days. The best horses have really bad days. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you go to a race and there's someone who ran at the NFR or, you know, their horse wins every time, quote, unquote, I mean, it can be intimidating. But we do have in barrel racing a divisional system. Um, the D system, they call it 4D, and for fraternities, it's 2D. And so that's based on a time split. So you can be successful with wherever your horse is at that moment. So if your horse is a 4D horse, that means it can be a second and a half lower than the fastest horse at the race that day, and you still have the opportunity to win money. Obviously, if you're not the fastest, it kind of falls into a little bit of luck based on your time. But it does give um, the quote average Joe or weekend warrior, as we sometimes call them, an opportunity to still win your entry fees back, maybe win more. I mean, at some of these, you can win a lot of money. They have even equal payout 40s sometimes where first place in the 1D might pay the same as first place in the 40. So there is opportunity for those of um, lesser experience or caliber or even just horse has a bad day normally maybe it would have won the barrel race but what something happened and it's a little off you still have the opportunity to win a little money and for the maturities typically it's a one second split just because they are younger horses and there is a bigger variety in the times that they're running and where they're at so um from, it's usually a 2d system so if the first if the fastest horse runs you know every race is different uh, based on the size of the pattern so if that pattern the fastest horse is a 15.0 uh, to win the 2d and the maturity would be a 16.0 or closest to is that uh, i mean again not my experience at all so and and obviously you do this and enjoy it so if i had a like 15.99 and then the little split thing was the 16 wins that division so by the fact that I was slower, that's a that ends up being more rewarding. Well, yeah, no, it's kind of just bummer, like the crying hole kind of of a deal that day. Um, so it's that same time and then or slower. So if you have a fifteen oh wins it, it is six. Like if it's a fifteen point zero one two, a sixteen point zero one two or one three or whatever the next closest that slowest would be win based on that split and then the split stays off that 15 so in the 40 system we'll go with 15 0 0 again uh 15.50 would be 2d 16.00 3d uh, 16.50 would be the 40 and that split stays it, even if the 2d doesn't have someone exactly on that time the split stays the same and it's just the next closest fastest horses to it and then they pay a certain amount in each division based on how many entries there are and how much added money. So do you know ahead of time or you're like, okay, I should slow down a little bit so I get into the other section? No, because when you're talking and have to one hundredth to one thousandth of a second, you don't even, you can't even blink and think of that, you know, uh, in terms of like a 15.0 to a 15.5, it's a matter of just your horse. And also, you 
always just want your horse to be the best of the best that it can be. Like, you don't, you don't really go in there thinking, like, I need to slow down unless it's like a training opportunity that you're taking on your horse, and then you're not really worrying about the clock or placing that day. Maybe your horse is just having issues on blowing off the first barrel or something, so you just want to take it easy going into that. But, um, but yeah, the timing of it, like I said, it's so fast in those um, split seconds that you would never be able to look at the clock and time it. Gotcha. So the we'll go back to the the futurity part. I assume that these are um, some fairly substantial uh, purses or prize monies that these horses can win. Yeah, again, it's really variable. So your um, local barrel race with maybe forty riders could have a futurity. Again, we call it a side pot, where you might run in the open, but if your horse is of maturity age, you can have entered in that class as well but on the same run um so your little local class might have a maturity um like i said with maybe maybe no money added maybe 50 bucks added or something and if there's only two horses in it you might not even win your entry fee back but you're just doing it just to do it or yeah obviously um the really big ones have um you know about fifty thousand added you know up to more and then the big money thing now in the um, maturity and open horse industry is what we call a slot race so it's kind of higher stakes higher payout um, and so they have that so the CFA maturity that I kind of mentioned earlier um, with having the juvenile maturity in the derby they have uh, what's called the BFA super stakes and that was for the three-year-olds that's their very first run ever on the pattern and don't quote me because i'm a chicken and i don't enter my horses in any of those types of things but i think the entry fee is around twenty five hundred dollars and then first place wins a hundred thousand dollars oh wow so there are sources that there's a few of these hundred thousand dollar slot races i could think of like three maybe um i could be wrong on that but so there are definitely horses that you know their lifetime earnings jump up to one hundred thousand dollars that very first day so there's definitely opportunity now in the in the barrel horse world do you have um trainers that specialize in like the futurity horses versus a i don't know why yeah. would that be a generalist <laughs> yeah so there are um yeah so there definitely are futurity trainers um that's what they do. There's those that train for themselves, and you just see them every year. They have a maturity horse, um, and then there's those that train for the public, and you'll see them maybe running five horses or you know more. There's no limit on how many horses a rider can have in a in a barrel race. So it's really just up to however many that rider feels that they can handle. Um, so yeah, you'll see trainers who every year have yeah, five maturity horses and it seems like they have a good one every year, but they might have had, you know, 20 kind of to pull down from to pick their, you know, five, six best. That that's really what they could feel like they could haul um, around the country all year to all these maturities. You don't really see people running open horses for like 
So you said that you're now an owner versus a, a, a rider, a rider, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the moment. Yeah. All of my um, finished horses have ended up staying with Molly past their maturity year. So <laughs> I don't actually, I, I'm riding the babies now, which is what I don't like to do, but So what is that like? Do you still go to the races or do you just kind of get a report afterwards? Yeah, I don't really go to very many. I mean, I have a full-time job. We have a farm. I have a kid. Um, so I don't actually go to very many at all. Um, mostly, yeah, I'll just get um, videos and calls and messages and stuff afterwards. And so a lot of them do have the live feeds, so depending on my so is there you know financial incentive to do this is it just the the pride as the owner and how the horse is doing i mean i guess it's to me it's a big decision to to just live vicariously yeah um probably for most people it's a financial decision but um, it's not really for me <laughs> which I'm probably not a very good one to talk to about business decisions and horses because I don't make decisions based on um, business or money. Like I said, I have a full-time job. I make my money besides horses. My horses are just my love and my passion. Um, so I really just make decisions based on what's best for um, my horses and my family. So like I said, I uh, initially, so the horse Molly uh, initially maturity for me, Jimmy. Um, I bought him. I liked his breeding, and I bought him thinking I was. I kind of told my husband, "Well, I I'm going to maturity him, and he's going to kind of be my warm up for Chewy to get my feet wet and figure out this whole maturity world and entering and all of that stuff. And then maybe he can be your shooting horse because my husband does cowboy on and shooting. Okay. Well then. It turned out that that was really a dumb decision because we had just bought a, a new-to-us farm, a really old farm that had so much work to be done. Uh, when we closed on it, the fields were already planted. I didn't even have a field I could <laughs> lope around in. I had a gravel road to ride this four-year-old on, and I kind of came to my senses like, what am I thinking? I don't even know what I'm doing. I've never trained a horse before. And I don't even have a spot to do it. So I kind of called Molly and asked if she would be willing to take him. That was the fall before his maturity year. And then, again, just having, I had a six-month-old and a two-year-old at that time. And so it was sort of like, I don't have time for this. So it was really a personal decision for me. But for a lot of people who are, quote, unquote, like just owners, it's mostly a financial thing because, um, or, or it might be because they're not trainers as well, and they just want a nice finished horse. But for a lot of people, it is financial in that, you know, you're taking kind of the blank slate, and you're hoping that it you create something great, and you can sell it for profit afterwards, I guess. But, again, I'm the last person you want to talk to about actually making money off of horses, because that's not, never, never my goal. It's so as a futurity owner, um, and I guess you, you kind of said your plans had changed because you had a farm and nowhere to, to ride them. So maybe that wasn't your goal to begin with, but did you know, yeah. and, and it sounds like with Chewy, you were more certain, like, was it the breeding of the horse, confirmation, attitude? What kind of might separate out a horse that's going to be 
good as a young horse? Um, honestly, I did not think Chewy was going to be very fast because when I got her back from the cold starter, I could not even keep her in a lope. She was like the laziest horse that ever rode. Um, so I really did not know that she was going to be good. Um, but like I knew her genetics was that she should be a barrel horse um, because I owned her mom and her mom's genetics. Like I ran her mom on barrels and her mom's genetics said that she should be a barrel horse and her sire is one of the top um, stallions of the barrel horse industry. So I knew her genetics said that, but honestly, like I said, she was slow. I didn't know if she'd actually have any gas or not to win. Uh, but again, I knew that Molly was a good trainer and would make Chewy be whatever the best, whatever her ability was, whether that was like winning everything or whether that was just a three or 40 horse. Like she was just going to be solid on the pattern and she was going to be good at her job and then I would take her over after that and I actually joked that you know how lazy she was and she was very mellow so we got her back from my cold starter the end of April and one week later my husband my husband worked patrols for the our local county sheriff's office on horseback the county um, mounted patrol and he took her two weeks after or a week after we got her back as a two-year-old and she passed out of all the mounted patrol testing so I knew she had a good mind on her and her mom had a good mind um so I honestly said she'll probably be my kid's horse and so that's kind of how that happened but again I did know too with her um genetic you know once Molly got her she told me she felt like she had more she said she felt she was bored and she did have more there than I was giving her credit for and so that's when I did decide that she was going to stay with Molly instead of me taking her back and maturing her um, because it was kind of her one chance at a successful year. Tell me what what so far has been your biggest uh, successes in the barrel horse maturity world? Jimmy won a lot um, locally. He kind of was at the time when these um, breeding incentives were just getting started and his stallion was not paid into anything so he really wasn't eligible for much in terms of these big money things and also he ran as a five-year-old so also wasn't eligible for some of these big money maturities but he had you know he was champion of multiple things and so he was kind of my first case of success and having a winner and then um yeah Chewy won won almost everything (laughs) she was if you didn't she didn't win the whole thing she at least won a round it seems like um, but yeah, I think her biggest win was maybe actually her last maturity of the year. It was the Oklahoma City maturity. She was the, the champion of that. So that was probably her biggest win because that was against, I don't know exactly how many entries there in it, probably like 400 or something like that. But she had won multiple other maturities and she had qualified for something called like the American. She swept a maturity up in North Dakota and qualified for the American, which meant she beat all the other open horses as well. So she just, she just had a lot of success pretty much right away. <laughs> Actually, her very first run, she set an arena record, um, her very first run out as a three-year-old oh. that November. So Molly joked, she called me, which always makes me nervous. Molly doesn't usually call me unless there's a problem. So I hesitantly answered the phone, waiting to see what the vet bill was going to be. And she was laughing, saying, Chewy set an arena record, and I was like, I didn't really believe her, and I was like, is this like a new 
a new arena? Was there only like two horses there, or what? Like, or is, like, <laughs> like she had this, like, what's the catch? But she's like, no, she beat Jimmy, and you know the previous arena record holder was one of Molly's other horses who went on to win at like the Canadian National Finals and all sorts of other stuff. So once she told me that, I knew she was gonna have it. I still, you don't know. They're young. You don't know if they're gonna have it every time. You don't know if they're gonna hold out. But um, when we did, we had a long conversation before we entered her at that. Because like I said, I always had it in my mind that she was gonna be five. And like I said, um, money is not my number one concern with horses. It's their longevity and their happiness and healthiness. And I want a horse when it's all said and done. And so we had a long conversation because she. She actually took her her three-year-old year because I was just like, I can't get this horse to lope a decent circle. You want to just take her for me and kind of see what you think or see what I should be working on with her. And then, yeah, in like two weeks, she had her on the pattern. And she's like, she was just bored. And so we talked a lot about, is she mentally ready? If she hauled called her, I'd ask her. She'd gone to Texas with other horses, and I'd ask her to haul her with. And so she had had her on the trailer for a couple months. And she's like, she's doing everything. Like, she's taking everything in stride. I think she's ready. And, and when she said that, that gave me the confidence because I kind of thought it in the back of my or I started to believe it in the back of my mind. But once Molly said that, because, again, this is her profession. She's trained numerous horses. She's trained numerous four-year-olds and five-year-olds. She knows when they're ready. I don't. I just had it in my mind that she was going to be five. And I was just worried about pushing her too much too soon. So we had talked a lot about making sure she was mentally ready. So that's kind of, you know, you have to take the punch then and enter there. But again, I didn't, we knew she had won that race, but that doesn't mean she's going to hold out for the whole 12-month season and numerous races. But um, like I said, I just hoped with Molly's training and Chewy's genetics and her confirmation that she would at least be a, a solid horse and make a good, at least a good run every time. It didn't have to be perfect or it didn't have to win, but just give you a chance to be a fun horse to be around. So what is, I'm going to put you really on the spot here. What is a horse like Chewy worth then? Like if I were to sell her? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's up to each person. I mean, I've had multiple offers on her between like, I don't know, 150 to $250,000, uh, $250,000. Again, that's up to each person. Because obviously I said no to those. So. <laughs> she's worth more than that to me again a mi- a, typically a mare is going to be worth a little more not necessarily but um you know you'll find some geldings that will go for a good price too but just because of the risk factor if she gets hurt you could still put her thousand wasn't worth it to me in terms of if i ever were to sell her which she's not for sale like it has to be a life-changing amount of money to me which that's that doesn't change my life at all, that kind of money. So um, it might be nice, look nice in my bank account, but it doesn't doesn't pay off my farm. It doesn't do anything for me. So again, but I have a full-time job. You know, um, someone who's doing this and that's their goal, obviously they would have taken that money and that would have been a great, a great turnaround on their investment for them. Um, but yeah, some other maturity horses, you know, will, depends on how they do they could go anywhere from 20,000 so yeah so what are your your next steps are you going to be looking for the next futurity horse or now that you have these two um your goal is just to run them yourself at some point in time I do have more um 
maturity courses coming up or what I hope will be maturity courses coming up. Um, but their goals, so Jimmy's goals after his maturity year, he did derby and stay with Molly, but his goal quickly uh, evolved to be a rodeo horse. I have a two-year-old, well, coming three now, I guess, December, a coming three-year-old that if she matures, it'll be a five-year-old because not training very well. So, um, and then I have the uh, weanling that I bred as well that I own the mother. It's not related to any run either at four or five as well. Um, and his sire is in a lot of these incentives. And I'll start getting babies out of um, Chewy once kind of the the timing permits. I do have, I'm expecting one out of her for next year, hopefully. So you'll have to forgive a, a barrel horse newbie here. So I know you can just go to, to barrel races and that's the, your association barrel horse. It's competition strictly for barrel horses. So why would you pick to do rodeos where it's just one event amongst many? Is there an advantage to that? You get more time off, you get to go watch other things. Like what the heck is the difference? Yeah, between a rodeo really, horse and barrel yeah. Horse? <laughs> yeah, they're really kind of two different, two different, totally um other than they're both barrel racing but it's really personal preference so honestly um i got a little bit burnt out in the barrel horse world because people um, i mean like any horse industry they can be pretty sticky and i just tell them not to be very kind and welcoming and so um <laughs> someone had mentioned oh you know rodeo you should try rodeo and those girls are really nice and whatever so i tried that didn't really find that to be the case myself personally and so i went a different direction for a few years and did cowboy mounted shooting with my husband okay. um kind of got my passion back for um competing after doing that because uh, i did find the people to be much more friendly and welcoming uh, to me and my family so that kind of got my passion back but again yeah the rodeos were open barrel races you're also only going to run maybe once a day maybe maybe twice or something but typically it's once a day at these big open races and then it's kind of more of a camping type experience you might be there all weekend you'll run once friday once saturday once sunday and there's probably a kid's race there so you can bring your kids and they can enter um and then you can kind of just sit around with your friends and watch and hang out afterwards or or go wherever the race is and go hang out in town um, versus the rodeos, yeah, kind of show up and run, and you really have to enjoy. I mean, there's slack options at a rodeo, which means you're running like after the rodeo because there's too many contestants for the time frame of it. But you really have to like the atmosphere of the crowd and the noise. It's really, I would say, more of an exciting event than the barrel races. Um, and it's also an opportunity for horses of different age. And, and oftentimes, a horse wants. They're not necessarily successful at both. I mean, there's a lot that are, but some horses don't thrive in that environment where there's chaos and there's a Ferris wheel going in the background and there's too much for them. And so some just do better at the barrel races for some. Some might not actually be the best at the barrel race, but then they get to the rodeo and get that atmosphere and that really hypes them up and that is what makes them thrive and the horses love it. And also the ground is very uncontrolled at these um, rodeos 
because they can be, they're usually spread out over a couple of days. You'll have a performance or a rodeo on Friday, you'll have a rodeo on Saturday, and all of those times combined, um, it doesn't matter that you ran on different days, all of those times combined to get the final um, standings or placing for that rodeo. And so you might run on Saturday and Friday, the ground is really good, and then Saturday morning a thunderstorm comes through and you're running in mud. So you have to have a horse that can um, acclimate to all of that as well. So it's really kind of what what excites the rider, I would say, more than anything, is what, what the horse drives on. Well, I can get it. So you go to the rodeo, you can still get your corn dog while you're there. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of, yeah, show up and just, yeah, enjoy the, the fair excitement and all of that stuff. Well, I appreciate your time. I know you are on the way to Vegas. So for the NFR, yeah. when do you run or, or when do you watch, I guess? So uh, yeah. <laughs> when does your horse uh, yeah, go? The road, yeah, the rodeo, the first um, night is this Thursday. I think that's the second, December 2nd. And it's 10 nights in a row every night um, through the following Saturday, the 11th. So they will run, Molly will run. Uh, at a rodeo, you can only run one horse. So you got to pick which horse you think is best that day or not set up. So Molly will run one of them every night. Yeah, it'll be on Cowboy Channel and RFP, I think. Well, best of luck. And again, thank you for talking uh, while on the road. So um, I had some mountain interference there. So hopefully. Yeah, sorry gonna... about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's okay. That's life. So, uh, but really appreciate it. And we're definitely going to cheer you on. Hopefully everybody can catch uh, your horse run. Cause that'd be cool to see a horse we now know. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. Well, that has been our tech box talk Horse stories with a purpose.